This talk is from the ILM Weekend Workshop, Working with Spirit in Relationships. Jim talks about things that block us from our loving. First, he discusses bringing awareness to our creations, then the process of giving and receiving, then broken agreements, and finally, to the light and shadow sides of ourselves. Let's begin to look and see what separates us from our loving. What keeps us from doing what we really want to do in our life? Because everyone in the world is looking for the same thing. We may have different names on it, but we're all looking for the same thing, and that's loving. So, if we can all claim that we're all looking for the same thing, ultimately, and in our mind we may have it defined right now as money, as a car, as a house, as a good partner, as children, whatever, but ultimately underneath that it's all wanting loving, then we can all begin to move towards a common goal. And that common goal is really who we all are, which is soul, which is spirit. We are all common and one and the same in spirit. There is not any difference because we are all of the loving of God. Out of God came loving and out of that loving came all things. And that's who we are. We may have differences that cause separation at this level, but in the true level of spirit, in that place where we are all one in soul, we are the same, and that is loving. And what we are looking for down here in our separateness is the sameness. We're looking to connect with me and you, and you and me. We're looking for that connection. But what is it that separates us then from doing that? What keeps us from doing that? For me, it's my fear. Oftentimes, I'm afraid of what other people are thinking of me. Are they judging me? Am I good enough for them? Do I look good enough? Do I do my hair right? You know, do I have the right color of clothes on? Am I driving the right kind of car? You know, all these things. And they often run on an unconscious level after a while. When we're growing up and we're moving into our teens, we become very self-aware and self-conscious. And when we're at school, we're always aware, are we wearing the right clothes to fit in with the right group? And we work very hard to wear the right clothes, to have the right hairdo, to do whatever that is to fit into the group that we want to be a part of. What we don't realize is that becomes a habit then that we take into the world. And then we're ever looking in the world going, oh, there's the group I want to be a part of now. Oh my God, they live way up on top of the mountain up there and all those big homes. How am I going to get up there? It was easy at school. I just had to go and get my mom and dad to buy the right kind of clothes. But I can't get my mom and dad to buy me that house up there. So now how do I get up there? And these things run on an unconscious level after a while because we, as a child and as teenagers, condition ourselves. And we create these habits that we then run for the rest of our lives, but we don't even know we're running them after a while. We just do them in automatic. And in automatic, we are running the system and we are experiencing the separation and the aloneness and the not getting there and not knowing how to get there. And all those things separate us from that which we want, which is to connect with our loving. 
the connection begins inside. It doesn't begin out here. And as long as we're ever trying to compete and to win and to be as good as and to be better than out here so that we can connect with those groups that we want to connect with, we're going to ever be moving away from the direction we really are wanting to go, which is inside to connect to that place of loving. It's a very simple process. It's amazing how simple spiritual life is. But it's amazing how hard we make it. We make it so hard and so complicated. God is love. We are love. There is nothing but love that exists in all of creation. And yet we have all these other things that we have created that separates us from that. Now how is that? And why would God allow all that to take place? That divine spark that we are is a part of God. And God sent those divine sparks that we are out into his creation so that he might come into the greater knowing of himself through this process of going out and learning what it is in all these different realms of existence to create and to become a co-creator with himself. And so each of us have gone out throughout eons of time and we've created and created and created and created. And what we have done is we have focused outside of ourselves to create. And we've created a lot of things in our life this lifetime and we've created a lot of things for ourselves in other lifetimes. We have all these creations that we are responsible for and responsible to. And it's all those creations that are getting in the way of us getting to that place we want to be, which is in the loving. So one of the first things to do is to take responsibility for your own creations. And the first thing to do in becoming responsible is to become aware of what it is you've created. Well, what have I created for myself? You mean I created these parents that I got? You mean I created this mate that I've got? Yeah, yeah, I know, I chose them, but did I create them? Did I create this job that I hate, that I'm stuck in, that I can't get out of? Did I create that I didn't go to college? Did I create that I went to college and I have all these expectations now that I have to live up to what my degree stands for? Well, maybe so. It's up to you to look and become aware of what it is you have created for yourself that is causing separation inside yourself from your true nature, which is loving. And then become responsible for those creations and begin to look and see, if I'm responsible for this creation, now what do I do about it? The first thing I've learned to do is to love my creations. As imperfect as they are, as horrible as they are, as painful as they are, as wonderful as they are, as beautiful as they are, to love them all, to love all my creations. Because with that loving, you begin to bring about change. But how can I love that that I've created if I don't love myself yet? That's kind of a strange question to ask if I keep saying, you don't know what loving is until you've really connected back into the loving within yourself. And once you've connected into that loving, then you can go out into the world and do loving. And until then, are you really giving loving? Or are you giving expectation and need and all those other things? But in that, there is that divine spirit in all of us that is loving. And it is ever loving. And if we will just give it a moment 
to come forward and share itself, it will do so. We don't even have to be fully connected into that place where loving resides in us. All we have to do is open the door and give it permission in a moment to come present and to share itself. Have you ever experienced that where all of a sudden you're in a loving moment and everything is wonderful and the world seems brighter and lighter and people seem to be joyful and you feel light and full inside and then the next moment it's gone. And you go, wait, 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 where did that go? How did I get that? Where, well, now how do I get it back? Somehow, somewhere you allowed yourself to open up to your true self in that moment. And the loving came present. That's what I mean by loving those creations. Is just allow yourself to say to yourself, in this moment, I love my creations. And by doing that, by affirming that, you are giving permission for your spirit, your soul, to begin expressing its loving in you and through you, through all these levels of yourself. We live very separated lives. We have a physical life that we live, we have an emotional life that we live, and we have a mental life that we live. And we also have a spiritual life that we live, but we just aren't often aware of that. But we're very aware of the other three. And oftentimes they're going different directions. My body wants to go over here, but my emotions want to go over here, and my mind, who knows? And we're just split because we are listening to all those other voices that really aren't our voice. We're listening to the voice of these worlds, these creations, and we're believing them to be the true voice. But the moment you stop and you allow yourself to say, I move back into my loving in this moment, you affirm it, you allow it, you promote it, in that moment, you begin to align all those elements of yourself, physical, emotional, mental, and spirit. And the spirit begins to have a little bit more of an opportunity to come forward and express itself on all those other levels. That's what alignment is. True spiritual alignment is where you begin to allow the spirit of you to have opportunity to express, to live its loving on all those levels rather than you live in your confusions on all those levels. And the littler self, the greater self of soul, can come forward and begin to express and share. And you then begin to have more of those aligned moments where you are in that loving moment. And those loving moments start to connect together. And they begin to be longer in experience. Until one day, you are living the loving experience. There isn't a loving moment that is a moment and then gone, you are living the moment of God every moment. God is only here now, in this moment. He isn't in the past, He isn't in the future. He's in this moment. And that's where the loving is, is in this moment. And in no other place. And when you can begin to live in that moment and just live in the moment each time that the moment comes present, you then live in the extension of loving that is the soul in you and through you, into all of your creation. But it begins by being aware of your creations that you have created and being responsible to them. So what does that mean to be responsible to your creations? Well, one is to say, yep, I created it. What I have in my life right now, good or bad, wonderful or ugly, is my creation. Now what am I going to do about it? So right then you've taken responsibility and you're saying, 
I am now going to do something about what I have created. And if you like what you've created, then claim it in a liking state and allow it to continue. And maybe even nurture it and feed it so that it comes more alive and you can live it more fully. And if you don't like it, then begin to look and see what it is that you've created that you don't like. And it may be as simple as say, you know, I don't like this anymore. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to promote this. I'm not going to allow this. But you don't stop there because stopping the flow of the spiritual creative energy hurts. It creates more pain than living in your creation and continuing it. What you do then is you decide where you're going to put this creative flow. Then what am I going to create? What am I going to put in place of this old creation? And how am I going to continue my spirit manifesting? Because the spirit of you wants to manifest in a creative way. So you then begin to visualize, affirm, manifest what it is you really want in your life. And what is that that you really want in your life? If it isn't this over here, claim that, state that, and let that creation of yours know, I'm not doing you anymore. I'm not going to feed you anymore. It lives because every day you've given it life force. You are the creator and you've given it life force. The moment you begin to withdraw the life force from it, it begins to die. Now, it's not going to die in one minute. You may have been building it for 20 years. So it's going to take time to die. It's kind of like these bodies. The soul is ever feeding the body. The soul is ever giving this body life. And when the soul is ready to go, sometimes it takes years for the soul to finally let go of the body, to let go of its creation. But one day it lets go and this creation just drops. That's what I'm talking about here. You are the creator just as this is the creative part of the soul that is the creator of this. You are a creator of something that's living in you or around you that you can either say, I want it or I don't want it. And you can either feed it life and continue to give it life or you can withdraw the life from it, put that somewhere else where you want to live today and begin to create anew and enliven something new for yourself and let this old die. And every day then you're going to have to look at the old and watch it die. And it's going to start calling you out and going, Jim, Jim, don't forget me. Come back. Don't you want to live in this hatred? Come back. What are you doing? And there's a part of you that will go, oh, my God, oh, that poor little part of me, I'm so sorry. And you'll start trying to feed it life energy again. And you'll take this life energy from that which you want and start nurturing what you don't want. And then you'll wonder, what am I doing? Why am I in hurting again? Why am I in hatred again? It's because you've chosen to reestablish yourself in the old pattern. It's like the alcoholic. The alcoholic knows if they take just one more drink, they're going to start all over again. They may be dry for eight years, 10 years, 15 years, but they know that if they pick up a drink and drink that alcohol, that it's going to start all over again because they have fed the habit, they have fed the pattern, and they have given it new life. And it's just that way with your creations, inward and outward. You have to be responsible for them every moment of every day and see in that action of responsibility, am I going to give this life or not? 
That's how you as a co-creator, the divine in you, become responsible for your creations. And until you take those actions, you're going to live in the hell or the heaven that you've created for yourself. And if you created a heaven, then that's wonderful. And I would just say be aware of the heaven that you've created and feed it. But if you're living in a little bit of a hell, or if there's a little bit of hell in your heaven, you might want to go into that part of that heaven and just bring that energy out of that creation and put it into another place where your heaven can get bigger than it is already. That's what I'm talking about here. So it's these things that separate us from our loving. It's our own creations that we have allowed and promoted and that we are responsible for. No one else is responsible. Your mom, your dad, your teachers, your brothers, your sister. This isn't about anybody in the world. Your boss, your children, your mate. This is about you. It's only about you. And when you get that, when you realize this is about you and nobody else, and stop blaming everybody else and start taking responsibility for yourself and your creation, that's the day you as a spirit begin to live in this creation. And that's when God becomes your partner. God truly becomes your partner in that moment. Now God's your partner all the time, but in that moment, God really is walking with you hand in hand, side by side, all the way through. And you know it. That's the difference, that you know it. And you're allowing God to be your partner. Up until then, how often did you do this with your parents? No, no, leave me alone. I know how to do this. Stop telling me what to do. I'll do it. I'll do it my way. Well, that's what we do with God, who is our parent. We keep saying, God, God, just shut up. I know what I'm doing. Leave me alone. And God goes, okay, but remember, I'm right here. Anytime you need me, anytime you want me. Yeah, yeah, I know. Just leave me alone. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves alone. We go, God, where are you? Why aren't you in my life? You know, why aren't I getting what I'm asking from you? And God's going, I think you told me to leave you alone. (laughs) I'm just doing what you asked. And the other part of that is, and when you invite me back, I'll come in. But you have to invite me in. So what I do as a co-creator In everything I create, I invite God into that creation. And I say, God, if this isn't really the best for me, then let me know. Or direct me in another way. Or take me to that which is for my highest good if this isn't. And God, as my partner, will direct me. And sometimes I don't like where God wants me to go. Because I have to do more. I have to be responsible for more. And I'm going... God, I wanted that simpler path that's over there, you know, that kind of goes to the ocean and I can kind of lay on the beach. And and God goes, no, 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 no. It's over there, you know, in the crowds and the masses and the people and all that. And I go, okay. But the more I do that, the more I am fulfilled. And I find that the spirit in me, in co-creatorship with God, can create anew every day that place where I can be in my loving. And in every moment, I live in that loving. And when I don't, and I'm not saying that I do it 100% all the time, because if you're in a body, you're not going to do it 100% all the time. So when you don't, you make it okay. You do acceptance. You do forgiveness. You do patience. 
you do all those tools that assist you in getting back into that loving place. This whole process is really about you. This whole life is really about you. How many of you are blaming another right now or have in the past for what you have in your life? Stop in that moment and realize that you created it. You are the creator. You created that situation. If you were married and your mate got up and said, I'm done, I'm fed up with you, I'm leaving, and they left, and you're judging them for having left, they made your life miserable because they left. Who really left? Why did they leave? There's something that you created that they left. They left some creation of yours that they didn't want to be around, that they couldn't participate with, or you didn't allow them to participate with whatever it might be, and I may not have named it yet. It's for you to look and see what is it that you are creating for yourself right now. Don't look in the past because the past is done. You forgive the past. You accept the past, but you don't live in the past. You live right now, so be responsible for what you're doing right now. And the beautiful thing is, when you begin to be aware of your creation, and you begin to be responsible for your creation, tomorrow, the next moment, is more wonderful than the last. And all of a sudden what you find is where before, in your creative action, you were creating hell, and hell just kind of went out in front of you, and all you could see in front of you was more hell. And you're going, I don't want to live because there's just hell out here. What do I have to do this for? Instead, what you find is that hell begins to dissipate. You're no longer feeding it energy. And that which you're now creating in this moment begins to extend forward instead. So the old creation dies away that you've extended into the future. And the new creation goes forward. And all of a sudden, in that new creation, you begin to see that little bit of paradise that you've been wanting all this time. That loving that you've been wanting. And all of a sudden, you realize that you are the creator for tomorrow, that whatever you do today extends and creates for tomorrow what you want. In this process of loving, the one thing that we want to open up to is receiving, allowing in, allowing the loving in, that the soul can love us and we can receive it. Because the soul is a great giver. And the soul wants to give us love. The soul wants us to be in loving all the time and to express that loving through all these vehicles, including this physical body. Because remember, this is not you. This is an instrument that you're using. And one day you'll get tired of it or you'll be done with it or you will have learned all that you can learn or create all that you can create. And you will say, okay, I'm done with that one. And you'll let go of it and you'll go find another one to use. And so in the giving and the receiving, the soul is ever wanting to give more love through all of its levels of creation that it can fulfill and fill itself with loving. And at the same time, it is looking to receive from its creations love. It's looking for the body to acknowledge and love the soul, its creator. It's looking for the emotions to love the soul 
that's looking for the mind to acknowledge and love its creator. And it's in that giving and receiving that we begin to find the oneness on all the levels. So look in the world of your creations out here because that's what we often have as references to our inner dynamic. How do you give and how do you receive? Do you give freely or do you give kind of, I don't know, I really may need this money someday, I better not. Or I may need this food, I better not. Or I may need this love, I better not. You know, the one who holds on to money or food or love, thinking that they're never going to get any more, are going to do just that. They're not going to get any more. They don't need any more because they got what they need. And oftentimes, we fill up that space in our lives with what we need. Money, food, car, love, whatever. But we don't let it go. We don't keep it in action. And so as we hold on to it, we do not allow more to come to us. We have constricted our creation and no longer are we allowing it to expand, to grow, to move, to be fluid in the moment. And so if all of a sudden you find yourself in lack and less than and not willing to give and not able to give, look and see, is it because you're fearful of losing what you have? And if you are, then what do you want to do about that? What can you do about that as a co-creator? In your creative action, it might be just relax and see what happens. Well, no, I better not do that because they're going to all come up and just grab my money and run and I won't have anything. And yet, is that true? Are you a good enough creator that you can go out and create more money for yourself? If somebody came and took all your money today, could you go out tomorrow and create more money for yourself? Or could you allow that creative flow inside of you to bring money to you? Maybe you don't even have to go out and work for it. Maybe the money's just going to fall in your lap. But because you don't allow, because you're constricted to receive, to be open to receive, you don't know that money's going to just fall in your lap. And yet it may just be there waiting. God may be there holding all this money above your head and saying, well, one day when they just relax just a little bit, I'll just drop a coin in and see if they, they get that anyway. And then maybe I can drop a few bills in. And then I'll drop a few more if they allow me. And then maybe one day if they really open up, I can just let it all flood in at once before they close up again. And then they'll go, oh my God, how did I get this? And then maybe they'll learn to relax and trust that the supply is there if they will just move into that. So in giving and receiving, oftentimes we just close down. We clamp down in fear. And we also clamp down not just in giving, but in receiving. Oh my God, what if they don't really give me what I want? I want them to love me. But what if they say they hate me? Or what if they say, oh, I like you, but I don't really love you? Or, you know, I like you as a friend once in a while, but I don't want you around all the time. I can't take that. So I'm just going to not even let them begin to show their friendship. Begin to tell me what they want or feel with me. And I'll just not receive. And maybe the universe really wants to give me a billion dollars. But what if they don't? Oh my God, what if, what if I'm really going to live poor the rest of my life? Oh God, well, okay, I can do poor. I've lived poor all my life. I can do poor. I'll just 
stay poor. I won't let it into my life. I won't take that risk because I don't want to go through that pain. Well, sometimes it's very painful to open up, to relax, to let go of all that we are holding on to so tightly, our fears, our anxieties, our judgments. It's sometimes very painful to let go of all those things, to open up and to receive. And it's also very frightening to be that vulnerable, to be so vulnerable to just let come to us what it is that's going to come to us. And yet in 100% vulnerability is 100% protection. And yet we're not willing to be 100% vulnerable. You know, what did it say in Corinthians? I think it says it very clearly. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and then always forgives, always accepts, always listens, is always patient, and always vulnerable. That's who you really are. Always. That's who you always are. And all these little things that you've created down here is not who you are. So maybe it's time now to go through the pain of opening up. You know, I wonder sometimes if these flowers, when they're a bud, go through a painful process as they open. I wonder if that bud has pain as it begins to release itself and reveal itself. I mean, I can see myself as this flower over here looking at this flower and going, oh my God, all your petals are pointing up and and you're so much healthier than me and I'm already old and I'm wilting and I'm kind of dropping off to one side and oh my God, you know. You know, I can see that and I can see how each flower bud could be looking at each other flower bud and going, oh, you're bigger and you're you're fuller, you're going to have more petals, you're going to be richer in color. I don't like you. <laughs> you know, and so we just hold on. We try not to open. And haven't you ever seen on a stem of flowers certain buds that just never open? They never open. And the others just go, <laughs> they'd love to open. They want to show themselves to you and say, look, 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 see my beauty, see how wonderful I am. You know, and they want to give. And in the giving, what do they get? They receive our awareness of their beauty. And then here's this little bud over here, right next to it, that just never opens. It goes, yeah, yeah, you won. You got it. You got all their love. I'll just stay here and I'll just kind of wither and die. Nobody will never notice me. They'll never know I'm hurting. <laughs> does that sound familiar? <laughs> My God, it does sound familiar to me. <laughs> I've told you my life. (laughs) The story is everywhere. It's in every place we look. It's there for us to see if we will just look. Be aware. Awareness in the moment. Wake up and be aware. And then look and see what you're doing in giving and receiving. I learned very early on just to give, not to worry about it. And I've literally given my money out of my pocket and wondered where I'm going to get 
money to go on to somebody. I've given it out and I've just given it and I go, okay, well, we'll see what happens. And even today, there'll be people on the streets that are really in need. And the tendency would be for me to say, well, I'll give them a dollar. And I open my wallet and I go, look at that. I've got all these tens. I have all these twenties. I even have a 50 and I'm going to give them a dollar. And so what I do is I reach for the biggest bill in my wallet and I give it to them, whatever that is. And they look at you and they go, oh my God, God bless you. I, this is a lot of money. Do you know how much money this is? And they just, they come up and they hug you and they, they can't believe that somebody could be so giving. It's like you have given them a million dollars. And yet inside you go, wow, you know, that wasn't that much money. For me, that wasn't that much money. But for them, it's everything. And so in that giving, you learn to expand yourself. You stretch yourself. Just as the flower stretches itself every time it opens a little bit more. That's a stretch to open more and more and more. And it may be painful. I don't know. We may have to sit here and just talk to these flowers and see. But I do know for us, it often can be very painful to begin to open like that. Oh my God, what if they look inside and they see a little speck that really shouldn't be there? Or what if I'm not as pretty as the one next to me? Or what if I really don't know how to do this that well? And they do, and then they're going to judge me for not doing it the way they do it. The key is realize it's all about you. It's not about them. I found very early on, I used to worry so much about what other people thought. Oh, my God. My mother taught me to worry. My mother believed that unless you worried enough, it wasn't going to come out the way you wanted it. And I always would worry, am I worrying enough? And that was my biggest worry. Am I worrying enough about this or do I need to worry more? And how do I worry more about this? Then I'd worry about how to worry more about this. <laughs> I would do that with people. I would worry about what they were thinking of me. Until one day, Spirit showed me that they were worried about what I was thinking about them. And they were so worried about what I was thinking about them, they weren't thinking about me at all. And that made me relax. It was like, oh, hey, hi, how you doing? And then they'd go worry more. <laughs> oh, my God, he likes me. He's friendly with me. Oh, my God. You know, what, what happened? <laughs> and that's the game we often play. We live in this little illusion that everybody's judging us. And nobody could give a damn about you. They're worried about what you give about them. <laughs> so the moment you stop and realize it's all about you and not about them is the moment you can start to live your life in a freer way. And that freedom also comes in the giving and the receiving. Because once you stop worrying about what other people think about you, you can just be yourself, and it gives them the freedom then to be themselves. And there's a giving and receiving of truth in a way that hasn't been there before. And that's where the doorway opens for that loving to begin to manifest through all the levels where the soul can really begin to reveal itself. And that's when... In that moment, you go, oh, there's that loving. I remember that. That was three seconds of my life ten years ago. I remember that. Then you can begin to connect to it 
and you can follow it right back up to where it comes from into the soul and then follow it right back up into the soul of God, the heart of God, from where you came. But it takes being aware in the moment and watch it come present. And it often comes present in that process of giving and receiving. Ultimately, you'll realize that the action of giving and receiving is nothing more than love. Even giving that $50 is giving of love. In that moment, I freed myself to allow myself to give a greater loving of myself to them than I would have otherwise. It's just love. Money is love. Sex is love. It's all love, but it's what we do with it. It's how we label it, how we organize it, how we control it, how we create it, that makes it either lust or greed or envy or whatever it might be, instead of love. And that's the beauty of living the spirit of who you are and creating from the spirit of who you are, rather living in the creations of the unknowing. We create out of the unknowing all the time. And out of those creations, we live in hell. So begin to look and see, how are you giving and how are you receiving? And recognize that it's in vulnerability that you begin to truly live the fullness of giving and receiving. It's in full vulnerability. And 100% vulnerability is 100% protection. And I know that if I give 100%, whatever that might be, my money, my life, my love, that I'm going to get back or I'm going to be protected 100%, whatever that protection is. It may be 100% of money will come back to me. Maybe 100% of the love will come back to me. Or I'll be protected so that whatever happens with what I've given will not come back to harm me, such as judgments or fears or more expectation. I remember in India, I was going up this mountain to the top of the mountain where this temple was. Well, I didn't know it at the time that it was the top of a mountain. My taxi cab driver pulled up and I was looking around all these different temples. And there was these steps and it was going up and I thought, oh, well, there'll be a temple at the top of those steps. I'll go take a look at that. So I climb up these steps, and it was a long staircase of maybe 60, 70 steps. But I thought, well, it'll be worth it. I'll get there, and I'll see this temple. I got there, and I looked, and there was nothing but this rock wall and then these steps going up the side over this way. And I went, temple's got to be at the top of those steps. I'll go up those. Well, I did that four or five times, and then I realized, oh, my God, I'm climbing the mountain. <laughs> and then I looked, and I turned down, and I looked down, and I was way up. And I figured... If I've come this far, I'm going to find out what this is at the top. <laughs> I'm going to go for it. And so I started climbing up and climbing up. And finally, I could really see the temple at the top of the mountain, at the very top of this last staircase. And so I'm going up it, and here comes this woman. And she's being carried in a rickshaw type thing by four men down the steps. They see me, and I'm the only American, the only white person, the only foreigner for miles and miles around, I found out later on, because that whole area had been closed down, and I didn't know it. My taxi cab driver wanted the money, so he was willing to take me wherever I wanted to go. And I turned out to be the only foreigner for hundreds of miles in the southern part of India, because it was closed because of warfare down there with the Tamals. So I'm coming up, and they're coming down, and they set the rickshaw down 
with a woman protesting, and they come over and start asking me for money. And so I just reach in my pocket, and I start giving them a lot of rupees that I have. And they're just, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And she's all mad at me because they're not carrying her down. So they go over and they pick her up and they're thanking me again. And as they go by, she tells them to stop and she asks for money. So I give her some. And they're all looking like, you know, this is a rich woman. What are you doing? You know, this one guy says. And I go, everybody's the same. And if you ask, you receive. And she got so mad at me, she gave me the money back. She says, I'm not equal with them. They're untouchables. I, I hire them to do this for me. I say, well, then you lose. You don't get the money. And she says, okay, I'll take the money. And they left. <laughs> it was just a dynamic that was wonderful to watch. And I found out later through an experience when we tip somebody a little bit of money that seemed like a very inexpensive tip at a meal, it turned out that that tip was equal to a month's salary for them. That little tip was a month's salary. And they couldn't believe that we were giving them that much money. And yet to us, it was equal to going to McDonald's and getting a hamburger, fries, and a drink. So... We never know when we're giving something. We may give just a little part of ourselves, but to somebody else, it may seem like a fortune. We may give just a little bit of our loving, a little bit of our friendship to someone, but that is like paradise to someone else. And yet we're thinking, well, this isn't that much. They don't need this. They don't want this. This isn't what they're looking for. And yet to them, it's everything. And we hold back everything to them. And we hurt ourselves and we hurt them. It's give and don't worry about what you're giving. And give and don't worry about how they're receiving. And give and don't worry about whether it's what they want or not. You just give. And the right person will show up for that which you're giving as you begin to live more in that flow of giving and receiving. And what happens is all of a sudden you also become the receiver. And all of a sudden there's somebody else that's willing to give you what they would call the equivalent of money for McDonald's, and you go, oh, my God, this is wonderful. I can't believe this. This is so much. And they're going, that's not that much. That's just a little bit of my love. Wait till you get all of my love. I just wanted to give you a little bit because I wasn't sure if this is what you wanted. But now that I know this is what you want, I'm going to give you a lot more. And then there's this process of broken agreements. What do we do with broken agreements? And how do we break those agreements? Oftentimes, we'll make an agreement with somebody just to get them out of our face. It's like, yeah, 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 okay, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it, just go away. We may not say go away, but we'll say, yeah, 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 I'll do it. Or we'll say, yeah, that's fine, it's okay, I can do that. And inside we're going, I don't need this, I don't need more to do but we'll agree to it anyway. And then we don't fulfill what we've agreed to. And then they become hurt because we didn't live up to our word. But what's more is we begin to feel hurt inside of ourselves because we're not living up to our own word. And we begin to not trust our own selves just as they learn not to trust what we say. 
Because remember, this is all about you. It's not about them. So what are you doing to yourself when you break an agreement? You're not being true to yourself. You're not being faithful to yourself. You're not entering into that place of loving with yourself and living in that loving. You're living in lack, in denial, in expectation. We're so busy trying to please everybody else, we forget about what will make us happy. A lot of us don't even know what we want, what would make us happy, what would please us. Because we now identify ourselves by what we do for others and how we make them feel. And if they're happy, then I must be happy. I'm not, really, but they're happy, so I I must be happy. But I'm not. (laughs) Does that sound familiar? So it's to recognize that it's about you. And if you're not happy, you're the creator of that unhappiness. And somewhere inside, you've broken agreement. And it's now time for you to get back in touch with yourself and to be faithful and true to yourself. And don't make agreements with yourself inside or yourself out here that you aren't willing to keep. And if you do make an agreement and later on you find you don't want to keep it, honor yourself enough to say, you know, when I said yes... I really wasn't a good place where I thought I could do this. But I'm not in that place anymore. I can't do this. I've done that. I've agreed to do a wedding once. All of a sudden, weeks and weeks and months later, it didn't line up inside of me. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. There was something that didn't work for me. And so I finally had to call and say, you know what? I'm not going to be able to do this. And I didn't go and I didn't do the wedding. And they were hurt and they were upset and they wondered what was wrong with me and and all of that. But something inside of me didn't line up. And I had to keep the agreement with myself to honor myself, to take care of myself, to love myself so much that I'll do whatever it takes to do that. Even if it hurts my relationship with somebody out here, I will do that. I will not break an agreement with myself to love myself. And if I end up breaking an agreement in the world out here and they don't understand that I'm not breaking an agreement, I'm honoring myself and I'm taking care of myself, then that's fine. They will do with it what they do because it's about them in that moment, what they are doing within themselves. It's not about me and what that action is inside them just as it's not about them, whatever I do inside myself with this. It's very important to look at broken agreements and realize the only place you break an agreement is with yourself. It's not with anybody else. And yet, that's where we break most of our agreements, is with ourselves. So, I want you to begin to look at two things, the light and the shadow side of yourself. Begin to look and realize that we have two sides of ourselves. This is the world of duality, the light and the dark, the good and the evil, the positive and the negative. Oftentimes, we look at the shadow side and we allow the shadow side to have power over us. And we don't allow ourselves to look at the good of us, the light of us, the joy of us, the peace of us, 
the light side of us. The good qualities, the loving nature, the joyfulness, the laughter, the fun. And I'm going to ask you to open up like a beautiful flower and just receive what is given to you. Don't close up and wither away. Open up and begin to receive all that love that is there for you to receive. And to begin to acknowledge it. And to begin to allow it in. And be aware that we do have that shadow side of us. And that's often the part that we identify and define ourselves with and live from. And that's where we create from. Often is that shadow side. The lack, the less than, the horrible part of us. And so it's up to us to look and really get a balance of the light and the dark. And what I have found is that in my dark side, in that shadow side, is often the tools by which I can do the greatest work in my light. But yet I don't recognize that that's where my tools lie. I think that they are those things that lie against me. And yet out of those weaknesses are my greatest strengths. Out of my fear to talk with people comes the joy of living this kind of life where I can share with you. That place that judges and says, I'm uneducated, I don't have a good vocabulary, I don't know how to speak well. Out of that, I connect into, and I take it to my light side, and I let the Spirit use that to bring about simplicity in my expression and to allow the loving to move through that simplicity. The way spirit works is through simplicity. And so when I identified that, I thought, oh, that's my simple part. I've been judging that. I can use that to God's benefit. So I'll bring it over here on my good side, and I'll use it. And all of a sudden, my light and my dark sides become one. They merge together in harmony, and it's a place where the soul can have full expression. But until then, it was separated, and I wouldn't go out and share the spirit because I'm not educated, I don't speak well, I don't have a good vocabulary, so I'll just shut up, I won't talk. I'll just sit here and listen. And you know what they say about good listeners, they must be very wise. (laughs) They don't have much to say because they have so much to say. And so I played that game for a while. But really, I was playing the game from that place of lack, of fear, of judgment. So open up and receive the light that is there for you. Boy, I'm just receiving the light from God as I do that. It's just wonderful to be in touch with that love that comes in. I don't want to close it off. But when you touch into that, it really can be in that. That's where you know who you really are. It's that love. It's that grace. It's that soul that is connected to God. And you feel the connection. And you know God's love for you is right there all the time. And all you have to do is choose back into it. 